Thanks for listening to Mosaic, a Jesus-centered communities podcast. Our goal is to help people experience a Jesus-centered life. You can find out more about us at welcometomosaic.info. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast as well as rate and review it so others can hear it as well. Enjoy the message. Were you that kid in the lunchroom? During high school, middle school, high school. What I mean by that, you know, it's the kid that you go to the lunchroom. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to acknowledge this. I understand. But uh, you go to the lunchroom, you get your meal, and then you would stand there. Who am I going to sit with? <laughs> I mean, you're in the lunchroom. So you sat alone by yourself, you know, or maybe with other kids that was in the same situation and you kind of just became friends by default. You know what I mean? I mean, you were present in the lunchroom with food on your tray. I was that guy, though. If I couldn't find my people, I was like, Brian, <laughs> you know, looking around for him. But um, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you were that, you were, you were present in the lunchroom, food on your tray, but you felt like I just can't sit wherever anywhere that I want to. I don't mean to bring up this old pain in your life, but you were a student just like everyone else. You paid for lunch just like everyone else, but you really felt like, man, I don't really have a seat at the table. You got this lunch, you're hungry, but all of a sudden you've just kind of lost your appetite. You know, there are people sitting in this room today, watching online today as well, who feel just like that. I'm not talking about people who are new today. If you're new today, I hope that wasn't your experience. I hope you were just overwhelmed with, we are so excited you're here because we really are. Today, I'm talking about those who may have several friends that you talk to out in the lobby before and after church or connect with others on the Mosaic Family Facebook group, which you really need to do. But when it comes to being in having a seat at this table, this table being God's table is, is kind of the symbolism here. When it comes to having a seat at this table, you're in the room, you're present, you're singing the songs, you're at home, you're singing the songs, you're, you're faithful to tune in, but to really have a seat at this table, you kind of feel excluded from that. Today, I'm talking about a tough topic. Today, I'm talking specific, there's, there's so many that could fit into that category. Today, I'm talking specifically about Believers, people who are suffering with and battling depression, anxiety disorders, mental illness. This is going to be a tough message for some people today, probably. And before I get into it, look, if you don't understand it, because for years, I didn't understand it. If you don't understand it, don't, please don't dismiss it just because you don't understand it. All right, we're going to be, I'm going to be very frank today. I'm Paul, but I'm going to be frank. And uh, we're just going to just talk plainly about some stuff here, you know, maybe even some frustrations. I, I, I don't want to offend anybody. I may say, say some things that might seem offensive to some on the surface, but honestly, that's not my heart. And so just hear it through to the whole thing, if you don't mind, all right? Because I know I'm talking to several people who are in this room and watching online right now. I don't say that in a prophetic kind of a way that God told me you're here, you know, and that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that. I just know you are here. Statistically, one in 14 of you are battling depression, major depression, diagnosed or not. One in six of you are, are struggling with, with severe anxiety. And I know this because I was one of you. That's something that plagued my life for a while. Some of you have heard my story. Others have heard parts of it. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. So let me just give you a little bit of a background, okay? Going on seven years ago, it was July 14th, 
2014, I'm in my office, and everything, it's a normal day. I took my daughter to the airport that morning, my oldest to the airport that morning. I drove there and drove back because she was visiting her grandparents in Oklahoma City, and um, it was just a normal day, and I'm going, and I remember I finished up a document that I was created. I had an appointment at 4 o'clock. It was 3.45, and I thought, I'm gonna, I need to get ready for that appointment, and I remember looking up at the clock, and that's the last thing I remember. I don't know what happened. Well, in short, I had a stroke. I was in amazing, I was in better shape than I am right now. Honestly, physically, I was doing amazing. I was eating clean. I was running 50 to 100 miles a week. I was doing all this stuff. And yet, there had my whole life been a hole between the two upper chambers of my heart. And something happened with that. And some of you are familiar with that, PFO. And um, a clot formed, shot up into my brain. My posterior cerebral artery blocked it. And I'm on the floor. The pain, the, everything that happened. And it, it's, it's not fun. You, you don't want one of those, I tell you. But, uh, and it's okay. I'm going to try to mix some humor in with this. And so please laugh, even if you don't think it's funny, okay? It's such a serious topic. We need, we need to, all right? But um, there were some lingering effects with that. Like, I forgot everything. I would go to the store and I always forgot where I parked, always. And so I'm coming out of the store with most of the stuff that I went in for because I forgot unless I had a list. And I'm, I'm walking around Costco parking lot, like, you know, clicking the, the button, the panic button, just looking for the car. And I'd find it. I'm like, I do not remember parking there, you know. And um, I would uh, forget what things are called, you know. It's like I knew what it was called. But I would forget what it's called. And so uh, I, would, I would be like, I'm, I want to go get a, I want a cup of, and I would tell, look at the kids. I'm like, it's that brown hot liquid that I drink every day of my life. And they were like, coffee? I'm like, yes, I want a cup of coffee. You know, that kind of thing. Do you know how many, is my right side that was affected? Do you know how many coffee mugs I, I, uh, I broke just because I dropped it? Or I would go get a $6 drink at Starbucks, walk out, and it would just fall. I'm like, don't. You know, like that. And so, um, um, but just dropping things, forgetting things, all kinds of stuff like that. I still can't get on very high on a ladder because it's, you know, the world goes nuts if I do that. But all of that is, has subsided pretty well. There was one effect. There was one thing that seemed to emerge slowly and stick around longer. And that was major depression and generalized anxiety disorder. Major depression, generalized anxiety disorder. I was like Eeyore after a few Red Bulls. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was like, you know, you're depressed, but you're just all, you know, like this at the same time. The anxiety was so severe. The insomnia, of course, that comes with depression as well. But the, the anxiety was so severe. I mean, I'm sitting at the table. I'm, I'm trying to read a book. I'm doing whatever, you know, and I'm just, I'm shaking. I, I can't stop moving. And it's like everything is wrong, but I don't know what is wrong. I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm a lead pastor at the time, and I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm believing in him and all of these things, but everything is wrong everywhere, and I don't know why, and I don't know what, but it is still everything. And I, I didn't know. It's like, I don't know how I'm going to. So uh, anyways, I, I, depression was different. Anxiety hit me like a ton of bricks. Depression was more like somebody just kind of put one brick on top of another on top of another, on top of another, and like it, until it was just on my shoulders, on my chest, and it all came to realization one day when I was driving on Alameda. Uh, you know, Green Mountain, there's this Solterra neighborhood, and there's that park off of that right up there, uh, just this side of Green Mountain, and so I'm, I'm driving along right there, 
And I just, I have to pull over. My anxiety, I'm first one, I'm shaking like crazy. And I'm just like, just yelling inside. I'm like, God, what's going on? And all of this, and I'm not understanding. I'd counseled enough people through depression that I, I'm getting this idea of what's going on in my life, you know? And I pull over to the side of the road. And, 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 I, just, and I park there in that park. And I get out and I walk around. And then I sit for a half hour. Then I get up and walk around. And then I'll just go and sit for another half hour and, and, and just stare. And I just, this, this abyss that's in front of me, and it's like, I don't want to go there. Lord, and I'm praying, and, 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 but I, I'm just getting sucked in. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe you do. I hope you don't, but some of you do. And so, um, and I realize what's going on in my life. It's like, this is, this is depression setting in. I never understood it. I really never did. And I, I was the one that I thought, never will I struggle or battle with depression. That's just not me, not who I am, not how I'm wired. Yet, you know, they say probably in the, in the stroke, um, there was some imbalance that, that, that happened afterwards, you know, or something like that. Plus, there were those situational, circumstantial things. For a long time, I couldn't do things, simple things that I wanted. I couldn't read for a while. I couldn't distinguish a P and a D and a Q and a G, you know, and, and I would just look at a word for a long time, and it's just like, oh, that's the word there, <laughs> you know, and, and I would have to read three times before I could really start to understand what it was saying, and it was like, I, it could have been Dr. Seuss, and it was the same situation, you know, and so there was that going along with it, and I realized depression was setting in. I went to counseling, Praise God for Christian counseling. Man, uh, love that. And so uh, that helped so much. I went to my doctor as well. I took a prescription, and that helped a lot. I mentioned that in one church. This guy got so mad, and he's like, we're promoting drug use in the church. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, you take Tylenol for headaches, Midol for cramps. You know, that guy's, it's like, I think that guy needed Midol for cramps, but uh, <laughs> I'm sorry about that one, Lord. So, <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> But you see, the, the Bible doesn't talk specifically about Christians and depression. Now, I can point to Bible characters, and I can say, I could say, this guy, by all of this evidence, it appears that he was depressed, that he had some depression going on in his life, and yet we see God move in them so powerfully, you know, which is so encouraging. Oh, there's, there's, there's plenty of things in there about, you know, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, he'll, he'll turn our grief into joy, and there's so many references that we can recite, but I found myself as a believer, as someone who deeply loves Jesus, you know, as, as a pastor diagnosed with this major depression, and I'm telling you, it was real. Psalm 42, King David, he asks, why so downcast, oh my soul? If you're familiar with that, and my answer to that is, I don't know. And just like each one of us has a matter-of-fact opinion about just about everything, you know, we could talk about the ins and outs of what we're doing with COVID all day long, and there's all kinds of different, you know, this is the way it is, you know, uh, is sitting in this room and watching online. Just like we have a matter-of-fact opinion about everything, you probably you might have a simple answer for me today about why, unless you've struggled with it. Then you know exactly what I mean. 
So it brings up the question, can a Christian be depressed? I mean, we, we all have ups and downs, right? And at some point, every, everyone will go through periods of being depressed, periods of depression to some degree or another. That's just kind of the fact of life here. You know, we're, we're in this world. We're going to have trouble in this world, you know? So, but let's take it a step further. Can a Christian be clinically depressed? And there's some who say absolutely not, but my answer is, well, my short answer is, yeah, yeah. But we have the joy of the Lord. I mean, if you're depressed, you're just not walking in the victory God has promised, you know? And we like to take certain parts of Scripture and apply them unilaterally to everything without regards to some other parts of Scripture, you know, and, and come up with, a, with an opinion about everything. And, you know, then there's the thing, well, well we can put anything, this is where I'm going to offend some people, we, we can put anything into our bodies we want to eat, and we can do, totally destroy our bodies. We can give ourselves diabetes and take medicine that enables us to continue to do that, and for many, it was, I understand that's not how it always works. Sometimes it's genetic, and it's like no matter what you do, you can't help it, right? But for many, it's a choice that we make over time, and we're reaping the consequences from that. We have no problem with that. None. We don't say anything at all about all the Bible says about that. In fact, we don't think we can, you know? And I understand, like, like I said, it doesn't always happen that way. There's some reasons where it's like, I do everything I can, and I still struggle with that. I know people, dear friends, who are in that situation, you know. But if you're in that situation, I probably ruffled your feathers pretty good right about now. And I want you to feel that, because that's exactly how, what it feels like for those battling depression to hear, you just need to pray more, you know. You, you, just, not, you just don't, what, what happened to your joy? You just don't have the joy of the Lord, you know. And, and, we, and we forget that that joy is not our decision. That's God just going, here you go, you know. You might say that, well, Paul, you're not comparing apples and apples here, you know? Diabetes is a physical issue. Depression is a spiritual issue. Well, some of the causes of diabetes can be very spiritual, and some of the causes of depression can be very physical even, you know? You see, people who de deal with depression, not talking about this periodic sadness, this, I'm talking about clinical depression, often feel excluded from God's table. In the room, watching online, believers... We listen to K-Love, you know, read the books, I could do our devotions. But when it comes down to it, it's like, I don't really feel like I have a seat at the table. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong inside, you know, there, and, and I love Jesus, so why am I feeling this way? And, and some of that comes from just how the church has or has failed to address it, you know, because there's just got to be something wrong with me. I'm not claiming something. I don't have faith for something or whatever, you know, and we're hidden in plain sight, with a smile on our face, talking to you out in the lobby before and after church and all of that. You know, we, we have to smile because we're Christians, right? You just need to pray. Play worship music all day long in your house. Okay, I prayed a lot. I worshiped a lot, you know, and I meant it. And I love Jesus with all my heart. And at the same time, I felt such despair in my life that I didn't understand why. I would go, we'd hang with friends, and we'd be sitting around a table playing cards, and we're laughing and stuff. And, 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 and I'm doing that, and I am enjoying my friend's company. But at the same time, inside, it was just like, there's such despair going on. You know, I, through it all, I'm grateful for my relationship with Jesus, you know? I don't know what I, what I would have done otherwise. And I'm so, I got to give a shout out to my wife as well, uh, Vicky. She is, if you know Vicky, then you're blessed, you know? She's, she's a rock. She's, she's just absolutely phenomenal. And I was, it was a difficult period in, in, our, in our household to, to be around me, I believe. And she just was amazing, 
I had one person even say, hey, you got to decide not to be depressed. You just got to decide. You got to choose, man. And so I'm like, thank you. And all this time I've been living with such inner pain and anguish, you know. And uh, all I had to do, I'm sorry about that one too, Lord. So anyway, I'm I'm not often, I'm often not very pastoral in my preaching. This is the kind of conversations you have with friends around a table, right? And so we're just real here. But I wasn't harboring sin. I wasn't harboring anger. I didn't have hatred in my heart. I did. I did. I wasn't doing any of those things. And I was a pastor who loved Jesus and was committed to Him. And I felt like I was this uh, this leftover shell of where God used to live. I'm here, but there's no seat at this table for me. And some of you are feeling that same way. It's like we're playing this cruel game of musical chairs, and there's one less chair than there are people, and it's been rigged to make sure that, that you're the one left standing. And that describes some people here today watching online. I want you to know it's not the case. It's just not the case. I don't know why it happens. I mean, there's some explanations, you know. There, doctors can tell you this, and they can tell you that. In the life of a, of a believer, it just doesn't seem to, to go with it, right? And we don't have the specific example in Scripture about it, so we just don't know what to do about it. But I'm telling you, it's not some cruel game of musical chairs. God, you've not been discarded. You're not a defective believer. There's, it's, you know, you're dealing with this, but it doesn't mean that something is just wrong with you and you and God don't go together. I want you to know that God loves you just the same. In fact, I think he loves you more. <laughs> I think he loves you more. Wait a minute, Paul. Wait a minute. God loves us all, right? God loves us all just the same, right? I'm not so sure about that, you know? Of course, I'm joking, kind of. Um, but listen, listen to these scriptures. Okay, Psalm 34, 18. Yes, we're getting to the Bible. Psalm 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Close can be translated, look it up, can be translated closest, The Lord is closest. He's close to us all, but he's closest to those who are crushed in spirit. Why? Because Jesus said in Mark 2, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. And and in that instance, he was talking specifically about people, about sinners. And I'm not equating depression and sin. I'm not doing that. But, but, But... we feel like, God, there's something wrong inside. And, and he cares for us when we need it the most. And that's when he's closest to us. Why are we talking about this today? Because like I mentioned a little bit ago, because one in 14 of you are battling major depression right now. One in six are battling excessive, one in six excessive anxiety. Church-wide, that means 75 to 80, just based on our rough numbers that are <laughs> meaningless these days with all of the online audience and in-person. It's like, who knows how many are actually attending? But, but, uh, but um, church-wide, that's probably about 75 to 80 people who have major depression, diagnosed or not. Uh, 180-ish with some sort of generalized anxiety disorder. And I'm sure you felt the, the pressure to, to bury those feelings. So I'm talking to people in this room watching online right now. This is a big deal. And I'm sure you felt the pressure to bury those feelings, to suffer in this quiet rage uh, 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 of depression, of desperation, because Christians just aren't supposed to be depressed. And I've researched the steps I could take to get through it, because I'm just one of those guys. I'm very self-motivated, you know, and it's like, all right, 
This is the way it is. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, stay here. And so I researched all these steps, and so from, from eating right to exercise, that was already a part of my life, and so I was able to, to do that and, and stuff. But, but there, there are a ton of so many helpful resources out there for people battling depression. And I went on to Christian sites, and overwhelmingly, the advice is pray and try to relax. Pray and try to Relax. You know, uh, what is it? In, the, in the Bible it says, you know, what, what good is it if, if, if somebody comes to you in need and, and, you, and you say, hey, hey, man, just go in peace. I'm praying for you. And you send them on your way. I can't remember the, the chapter verse. It wasn't in my notes. This is just one of those pop in your head type of things. But, uh, and you, but you don't do anything to meet their need. What good have you done? That's what I felt like, you know? It's like, Pray and relax. I'm praying, <laughs> right? Right now, I don't feel very relaxed because that's, you know, we don't know what to do with it because it goes against the, the feel-good preaching that we really like, you know? But this is real life, isn't it? Sometimes we go through horrible things. Sometimes we come out with scars. And I wish I could give you this specific instance of Jesus healing someone from depression, but I can't. But he did deal with people who had grown-up problems. What do you think it was like to be Matthew? All right? Uh, born a Jew, but excluded from the temple and Jewish life because he was a tax collector. Uh, what was it like for the woman with the issue of blood? She suffered like that for 12 years, and nobody could help her. Or the man who was lame since birth, do you think that he dealt with some sort of depression about that? Or the leper who met Jesus on the road? Those people were the physical representation of what sin does to us spiritually. I mean, try dealing with that, okay? Do you think these things took an emotional toll on them? And I wish I could take you to some encounters, chapter and verse, where Jesus, like in your Bible, it has this heading that says, Jesus cures generalized anxiety disorder, you know, or a passage in the Gospels uh, like that. But, but I, I can tell you, though, about his love and compassion. I can tell you that he's close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. He said, come to me. This was in uh, Matthew 11. Come to me if you're weary, if you're carrying a heavy burden. I'll give you rest. 1 Peter 5, 7 says that we can cast all of our anxiety, our cares, our anxiety on him because he cares for us. And you know, the Apostle Paul, he had what he called um, a thorn in his flesh. People now have speculated about what this could have been, Paul's big thorn in his flesh. You can read about this in 2 Corinthians 12. But uh, God was doing some amazing things in Paul's life, and he was giving him visions and revelations and all that kind of stuff. And, and he says, to keep me from being conceited, <laughs> because God was doing all this great stuff in his life, he says, I was given a thorn in my flesh. And it's like, what could that have been? And you read, I read commentators and these kinds of things, and they're like, you know, it could have been um, poor eyesight. Because, you know, this and that, and there's evidence that Paul may have whatever. But anyways, and I'm like, a thorn in his flesh. Paul says it's a messenger from Satan, and it's bad eyesight. Now, if I take off my glasses, I can't see a thing. You're all just a bunch of, bunch of fuzzy blobs. But uh, now you're beautiful, they're the beautiful people that you really are. And so this is, this is like a pain in the butt sometimes. Oh, I'm sorry. A pain sometimes. But... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, you deal with it, right? I know they didn't have glasses and stuff like that. But this thorn in the flesh, it says. 
We just don't think we're supposed to have big trouble, big problems as believers. Oh, it's probably poor eyesight, you know. He's a messenger from Satan, you know. And as somebody who has gone through depression, it's like, mm, could have well, very well been, you know. He did go through some rough stuff. But uh, to say what it was, we don't know. So anything's a speculation, you know. But all I know is it didn't belong. It was out of place in the life of someone who was doing so many great things for God. And here's what God said to him, and I think it applies directly to those battling depression, and that's 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I'll actually, read it from the Bible because I, I want you to hear this, right? All right? So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And he says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. My grace is sufficient for you. You see, I, I don't like depression. I hate it. I'm thankful. God really did. He brought me through it. There's times where I feel like this, like, God, I, I don't know. I feel like I could slip back into things pretty easily here. But, but, but he brought me through it. But I saw God move in my ways moving my life in ways that I just don't think otherwise I would have seen, I would have known. He spoke his word to me. I mean, that just jumped out the page. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Rest in me. I know where you are. I know what you're feeling. I know all of these things. My grace is sufficient. Where, where you're weak, when he says my strength is made perfect in weakness, what that literally means is where you're weak, that's a spot I'm going to pour my strength into. I'm going to target that weak area, and I'm going to fill it with my strength. And you just need to, to let me do that. So what's our, what's our response to this? What do we do with that then? If you're a believer today, you're battling depression and you hate it and you feel like this defective Christian that doesn't really have a, a seat at the table here, you know? And you're like, God, what's, what's, what's going on? Well, I would say our response to this is submission. Submission. Okay, God, I accept that. Not to say that that, that, that that may not be what we want to do, just to submit to depression and stuff. And it's not like we're just submitting to depression, but we're submitting to God. Lord, here I am. This is what's going on with me. God can change things in an instant. I know he can. He, he really can. And so I don't ever discount that in your life. What I saw in my life and what I've seen in, 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 in most lives is that we trust in him. We submit to him. God, this is the way, this is the way it is. I'm going to trust you, Lord. I don't like feeling this way. I'm giving this all to you. He, over time, he brings us through. Get Get counseling. We have, we have so many great referrals to quality Christian counselors, you know? There's nothing wrong. Don't let anybody tell you in, that in, in this self-righteous something that you, you shouldn't take medicine for that as well. It may or may not be the answer for you. You need to talk to your doctor about that, right? If you have a heart problem, you'll definitely talk to your doctor about taking medicine about that, right? You know? But today, my, what I want to focus on is just that heart posture about all of this. Lord, I, this is where I am. I accept where I am. I don't accept this as just how it's going to be, but I acknowledge this. I accept this, Lord. 
and I submit to you. Bring me through, Lord. Bring me through. And you know what? I believe there's enough believers in this place who's going through it, been through it. I think we can help one another with that too. Here I am. This is what's going on. I'm going to trust you. I think talking about it as well, this isn't a comfortable topic to, to preach on. No, it's, 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 it's kind of every, all eyes are on me as I'm talking about how I dealt with depression, that kind of stuff. Yet, I think we've avoided it for too long. And it affects too many people for the church to be silent about it. Thanks for listening to this week's message. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We invite you to connect with us. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at welcometomosaic.com slash give. Have a great week.